Wow, what a great reading by Ezekiel. That was so powerful. I'm so excited for you guys to meet our next great poet who's coming to the stage. Let's give a warm, warm welcome to Scarborough's very own Laptop. Oligarchy. My face is trapped in a... Oligarchy. My mom won't let me leave the... Oligarchy. My body is shaking. My ass is shaking. Please rescue me from this... Oligarchy. Do you know what I just said? Oligarchy. Gee, why don't you pour that coffee in that coffee pot? Esophagus. Oligarchy. My face is sweating because I can't feel the pain in this. Oligarchy. In this. Oligarchy. I love living in this. Oligarchy. What the hell is a... Oligarchy. Can somebody spell... Oligarchy. Do you love me in the... Oligarchy. But when you do... Close your eyes and realize, realize, realize in this oligarchy. And when I leave, please diss me, please piss me, please kiss me. Only when I'm in the oligarchy. What's going on, everyone? Episode 30 of High Top Flip Flops. It's your boy, Chris, a.k.a. Chris, a.k.a. Not Chris, a.k.a. The Tamil Hemingway, a.k.a. Mr. Date Your Girl With You, a.k.a. Bash Me Outside because I don't fight. I just get beat up, a.k.a. Low Poopy Dirt. And I'm not joined with Navik today. Unfortunately, he's feeling very ill. But um, I'm going to cue My Boo, the My Boo instrumental, mm. underneath me talking right now and just let Navik know that I care so much about you. And uh, you'll always be my boo. That's right. And you'll always be my boo. Oh. Um, and today I am joined by the lovely Josephine Cruz. Josephine, how are you today? I'm great. I'm like kind of annoyed right now, to be honest, because okay. I don't have enough AKAs. Like I, you just murked me. <laughs> Listen, this is also, this is like a year of like planning. And, and yeah. the thing is, is like for us, I think AKAs just kind of come out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, like little poopy dirt. I don't know. That was me getting bored. I like that. Yeah, it's but I'm yeah I'm Josephine Cruz, aka JMKM, aka Need a New AKA. There you go, that's a good one. That's yeah, a good it's one. A song for you, Hold on to that one for <laughs> sure. <laughs> so Josephine is a Renaissance woman out here. She's been writing, she's been DJing, she's been hosting radio shows for as long as we can imagine, pretty much. Uh, how are you today? You feeling okay? Yeah, I'm good. I'm like, you know, no complaints. The weather really sucked today. Yeah, a little bit. But other than that. Life is pretty damn good. Yeah. yeah. You're excited about the show tonight? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually really scared about the show okay. tonight. Okay, tell, tell people like, about the show tonight. Unfortunately, oh. this, po- this podcast will probably air three days from now. Okay, so yeah. by that time, I'll have already crapped myself okay. on stage <laughs> live in front of maybe hundreds of people. No, um, tonight I'm, I'm DJing a Hurricane Maria benefit yeah. at Velvet with like literally all my favorite DJs and some of my heroes. Yeah, some of these people are like... Yeah, huge. Uh, unbelievable. Um, amazing. Like Grand Theft, Keys and Crates, Scratch Bastard, Pusher... Sean Frank, Stooky Sound there. Stooky Sound there. I don't know if they're on. Okay. Who knows? They might yeah. be a special guest. But yeah, like all the literally all those people, like especially Grand Theft, Keys and Crates, Scratch Bastard, yep. those are like some of the people who 
the earliest DJs that yep. I knew about outside of Calgary, which is right. where I was living at the time. Right, right, right. Um, I've known them for a long time, but it's always like weird when you're like, how did I get thrown in the mix <laughs> with these people? And I shouldn't be here at all. But, hey. but it'll be cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's all for a really good cause too. So, um, you know, all the ticket sales and merch sales, and I believe a portion of the drinks tonight are going to be going towards okay. charity. So it's yeah. super sweet. And this is like, I think the most exciting part is like, this is one of like a, a few cases like across North America that are taking place. Like I know Joe Kay and all the selection guys were recently doing this. Yeah. It's just exciting to see that, you know, people are hundred percent just using their craft to. Yeah. yeah I mean, I cause. think too, like, especially like to be able to work in, you know, your passion and make a living out of it and make a good living out of it is like really awesome. So anytime you can kind of use that to give back, yeah. I feel like why not yeah and so you know i know all those guys there are some of the most like humble awesome dudes regardless of their accomplishments so mm -hmm. i know that they were all like super just like ready to do whatever you know yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's really sweet was there was there any one individual in particular who kind of had the idea from the jump it's all grand theft unbelievable yeah so he's like i've known him for a long time he's um he used to be part of this dj duo called team canada okay it was like Grand Theft and this other guy, DR1. And they used to just come through Calgary all the time right. to DJ. And that was like way before. Like they were still doing like well, but that was before he became like the superstar that he is yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. And now he's like crazy lit. Like he's on like, <laughs> he's got like a song on the billboard charts yeah. and he like hangs out with Diplo and plays in Vegas all the time right, and right, tours right. all over the world. But he's like literally just still, still the same, like same dude who I've known forever. and. Yeah, so big up Aaron Amazing. for putting that all together. Yeah, good for him. Um, yeah. Obviously, as I said, by the time this episode airs, the show will be over. Yes, but hopefully I'm still alive yeah. by then <laughs> and I didn't completely embarrass myself. Yeah. <laughs> the craziest part too, I forgot to tell you this part. It's not even like DJ sets. It's just like a big like back to back to back to oh, back all night long. Oh, mama. Yeah, so it's like going to be me and like keys and crates yeah, like yeah. me trying to like hang with keys and crates <laughs> that transition i was just gonna be like oh boy yeah, how do we get this uh, going <laughs> no anyways i'm sure it'll go fine i hope it goes fine anyways um i know i got harmony or sorry stranger man is oh yeah yeah harmony um, i mean whatever stranger man. yeah stranger he's man. always been a stranger man yeah so. <laughs> he's definitely is. uh chris hope you're doing well man yeah um you very briefly mentioned calgary being the place of your birth the place of your is that is that where you were born it's not where i was born okay. but it's where i spent most of my it's where life you grew so up. Okay. yeah what was that that's something i really want to ask you about not necessarily about what your time like in calgary was but mm. just like what kind of growing up in the cruise household was like for you? Oh my gosh, grow my I grew up in like a very interesting family. Okay. Um, I have like a big family for one, so I have two brothers, two sisters. Uh, my dad's Chinese, my mom's from England, and so yeah, I just had like a really interesting upbringing. Yep. Um, I was born in England, and then I actually lived the first like ten years of my life in Hong Kong. Okay. Holy moly. Um, yeah, so that was pretty sweet. You know, like you get to growing up somewhere like Hong Kong is really awesome because it's super multicultural. Yep. Um, I went to an international school, so like all the kids that I went yep. to school with were like from all over the world, and you just grew up really exposed to like a lot of different cultures. I feel right. like that's like similar to how a lot of people grew up in in Toronto as well. Definitely like, very multicultural. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like really fortunate that I had um, you know that exposure to like that at a young age. Right. And then when he moved to Calgary, it was like, <laughs> and Calgary now is like, it's gotten a lot better. Okay. Like it definitely has gotten a more multicultural and like just more like of a culture of its own right. over the last little while. Mm -hmm. 
um, I would say in the last like five years, it's gotten like okay. really a lot different. Okay. But when I first got there in like the <laughs> mid nineties, <laughs> oh baby, it was like definitely still a small city, like very white, <laughs> very conservative. That's probably you guys and Jerome McGinley. Yeah, basically, and, that's, that's and he's not even really black. Yeah, he's like right. he's super mixed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was like yeah. So it was different growing, getting there. Like I yeah, remember, yeah. like I always felt like I was like just an oddball. Oh, I can only yeah. imagine. And I still feel like an oddball. But yeah, yeah I definitely like hated it for the first like I would say good like couple years right. living there. Yeah, given you spent ten odd years yeah. abroad and also at international school where everything was so yeah. much different. So but you know, like Calgary, like I said, it's it's got a lot better. And I think that it was always kind of I knew that I didn't want to stay there. And maybe that was like the the one really good thing that came okay. out of it is like I had seen other parts of the world and I was like, I want that to yeah, yeah, yeah. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and also that kind of like the idea of transience at like such a young age where it's just like, okay, I, I've moved and I'm making mm-hmm. this transition. Perhaps, do that again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You do it again and, and not necessarily feel like there's like a very deep rooted kind of attachment, right? Yeah. And I think like moving at the age that I did too was like a pretty awkward age. Like is yeah. that like kind of tween, like preteen? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and my brother, he's a couple years older than me and he was like in the most awkward stage, like 13, 14, oh, like guy. to move. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I, I moved so. elementary schools in from like fourth grade to fifth grade so pretty much the same time you did but i'm talking yeah. like from ajax to pickering and and you and were like, so fucked I, up over and it. i was devastated <laughs> yeah i listened to billy talent that summer that was like that's what got me through that the first billy talent album. just atrocious yeah, yeah. so you know how it is yeah. we, we, <laughs> in yeah, scale so. in scale for sure <laughs> Sing a song. What's really, what's your favorite? Um, I was singing. You know, I was actually thinking about this earlier today. I was, you know, the song uh, "Nothing to Lose." It's like the saddest one. It's like the song about like suicide and like being there for your friends. I was like, man, why? Like, yeah, why was I listening? That, to yeah, it? this song was like very, very deeply ingrained in my head. I remember buying like my first pair of black Chuck Taylors and like a spike metal belt. Did you like grow your hair? Like, remember <laughs> emo hair? I certainly do. That oh, I certainly do. I used to play in a metal band, so that was no like, way. Yeah, I used That's to play sweet. drums in a metal band, so wow. that was like drummers are the coolest. Very much a part of my life. And let me tell you, I was 100% the dorkiest member of that band. But <laughs> I digress for sure. <laughs> um, so once you got to Calgary, obviously you've kind of made it clear that a lot more of your exposure to kind of other cultures came when you were overseas. Yeah. Um, do you remember your first experience to music, your first ever experience of like hearing music? I know it's a tough one to bring up. I'll say this, my earliest memory of music is being in like the backseat of a car mm. and my parents having Stevie Wonder play in the car, like driving, I have no no idea where, Yeah. but that was my earliest memory. My, I, you know what? I've thought about this a lot and I honestly, this is like so funny to say being <laughs> like that I'm like Chinese, but I think my earliest memory of music is like my dad singing karaoke, really? like no lie, <laughs> like singing like Rick Astley or something oh, like, yeah, he had like all like the craziest karaoke tapes. <laughs> and some of them were like the legit music videos with like the oh, lyrics shit. on them. Yeah. But then there were the ones that were like the really weird ones with like just <laughs> girls like rolling around on beaches, like with like the wrong lyrics on the screen. Like and he's just that going is off my top. childhood yeah. right there. Yeah. But my dad was a G though. He's got a really good voice. And oh, I remember I he like he he never even needed to look at the lyrics anyways. He was wow. just like killing it. Yeah. But um yeah I think that was probably like the first memory I have of music. Okay. But my dad, like, is a big music guy. Um, that's 
all the music that he would listen to like when I was growing up was all like that like Stevie Wonder yeah, yeah. Whitney Houston Michael, Michael Jackson, Jackson like oh. all that so I love that music yeah. even now and I know a lot of it and sometimes right. I'll be DJing at like mostly like you know more like corporate events or okay. stuff where there might be some older people there and I'm always like so excited I'm like yeah I get to like play my music yeah, 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 yeah. and Take people are back. always like why how do you know this yeah. this is like my music yeah right? exactly this is like what I wish I could play at every gig yeah this is your earliest memories yeah man. that's the most important but part I love Stevie Wonder I still listen to a lot of Stevie Wonder on my own time um I was recently listening to um is it Lady in Your Life by Michael Jackson? Okay, yeah. Man, yeah, that's like Lady a, in My Life. That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah, that's a deep cut. It's, I don't yeah. think a lot of people remember. Lady in My Life is a good one. Um, what's my favorite Michael Jackson? I like a lot of the like Jackson 5 stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, yeah, he's... He's like awesome. Like, I'm very conflicted <laughs> over Michael Jackson, though. I don't know if Likewise. I like. Yeah, well, yeah. Maybe I don't we'll know save how this. We'll save this for a <laughs> yeah, part two. You yeah, know, yeah. we'll deep dive in this one like a hot yeah. cup of coffee. Love the music, yeah, though. Let's exactly. just leave it at that for now. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think your earliest memory of hip hop was? Mm. Hip hop or rap, I should say. Okay, I definitely know this one because it was for sure like the Vanilla Ice MC Ooh. Hammer era. <laughs> no way, okay. And like Will Smith, Jazzy Jeff, Boom Shake Shake the Room type thing. Oh, okay. And so it's funny because I grew up in Asia and, you know, back then in like the late 80s, early 90s, there was obviously no internet. Yeah. And not only that, we didn't have the same TV as yeah. you guys had in North America. But I remember, I was just telling like my boyfriend about this the other day, like I remember we got satellite Ooh. TV. Yeah, and it was like a changer. fucking game changer <laughs> because that was still at the point too where things took a, like a little bit longer to get overseas. Like even movies and stuff, they would release in North America and then like a month and a half later they would release in Asia. Yep. And music, you know, like that's when everything was like on cassettes and CDs yeah, that yeah. took time to like make it over. So like we were always like a little bit behind. But then we got satellite and we had like MTV and oh man yeah all this stuff and it was like whoa this is like a new world yeah so, whole new world yeah it was definitely like mc hammer vanilla ice era and probably like marky mark and the funky bunch yeah, like yeah. that kind of stuff okay which is that even hip-hop who, I don't who knows <laughs> yeah who knows also also for the yeah, yeah that all the worst stuff um <laughs> and then another thing too that i really remember about like my childhood is like this weird simpsons album Ooh. i don't know if anybody else remembers this, but The Simpsons, yeah. like, they made, like, a, a music album. No way. And there was, like, a song called Do the Bartman, and it was, like, a, a hip-hop kind really of Really? A hip-hop track? Yeah, yeah, we should try to find it and yeah. like, put it, like, somewhere yeah, here. Yeah, 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 put it right at this point in the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's honestly one of the first like memories I have of like hip hop like music wow. is do the Bartman, which is so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and then it wasn't until I really like moved to North America that we started learning more about like actual hip hop. Yeah, yeah, fair, fair, fair. <laughs> you know, like Notorious B.I.G. and like whatever was like popping back yep. in like the, the late nineties. Yep. But I was also really into like rock, like alternative rock music back then. I right was like, on. you know, the Nirvana, like right, right, right. Bush era. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have this, this tattoo is actually Kurt Cobain's tattoo. No way. So like, 
I got this because that's like some of the first music I ever remember listening to like on my own accord like yeah. not music that my parents were playing right, or right, that right. I saw on MTV okay so yeah I wouldn't say that I'm like a huge Nirvana fan for but sure. it's like it's significant to me yeah, for that definitely. reason yeah considering how much music kind of plays like a big part of yeah life. huge part of my life now <laughs> in every like in every literally aspect. every aspect yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But music wasn't necessarily the kind of like your your first creative outlet. Was it fair for me to say that writing was what kind of was the first? Yeah, definitely. So I've always, you know, dabbled in like writing in many forms since I was like a kid. Like I used to write like short stories. And then um, in my like teen years, I started like writing more like poetry in my like teen angst years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It was funny because my teen angst years like really like paralleled the rise of the internet which is probably mm. like the most like dangerous yeah. weird thing ever because i was just like i'm so angsty and then i would like go on the internet and be like oh all these angsty people yeah they're also here yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh yeah so i started writing poetry and um yeah that was definitely my first sort of like creative outlet okay and um and from from what i've kind of learned through the internet about you, you mm. know trying to it's trying, all there yeah it's really it's it's all there at least the the, the, the tidbits you know i yeah. kind of reach for them um something you were kind of doing i guess in or while you're writing was writing about artists within calgary who were, who were kind of trying to do something or, yeah. or make a name for themselves you know um and something that i think conversations about this happen all the time is like you know conversations about whether toronto is is a necessary place to be for artists to to be relevant within Canada, you know? Mm. There's going to be people across the country who are going to argue opposite. Um, even in, like, the, the town that uh, that I went to university, Peterborough, Ontario, there, there are people there who make that argument as well. It's just like, yeah. you know, I don't need to leave this place to be relevant. Whether in the Canadian scope, in the international scope, it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, looking back now, having written about artists within Calgary, uh, have you, like, have you kept up with a lot of those artists or, you know, where do you think they kind of stand in, in that argument? Yeah, I have kept up with like a lot of them. Actually, t- um, one of the acts that I first ever wrote about when I was writing music, like writing about music and getting paid for it yeah. was for Noisy. Okay. And I wrote about an artist called Beach Season and they were actually just in Toronto. That's right. Yeah, so like I've definitely kept up with a few of them. Mm-hmm. I think that it's not, it's not necessary. I think yeah. that a lot of, you know, everyone has a different path and some people choose to do things differently. I think being in Toronto, like there's definitely those things that you're not gonna get in other places. Like, you know, there's so many more artists here to collaborate with. Mm -hmm. So there's more opportunities for that. Even access to things like studio space in other cities, there's, you know, not a lot of studios. Whereas here there's like quite, there's, you know, there's a lot of small studios here too, yep. which is like more accessible for like up and coming artists to get Absolutely. into. So there's like little things like that here. Also exposure to like bigger um, brands, for instance, like companies like Red Bull have a bigger presence here yep. with their sound select mm-hmm. program. So you can might be able to get like plugged in that way. Right. But that's just one way of doing it. All those things I just talked about. Of course. Artists in Calgary or any other small place, I think the, the common thread, like when I talk to all of them is that like, Places like that make you get even more like creative mm-hmm. and more focused. Right. Because it's just like there's not a zillion things going on. That's right. It's like, oh, it's like 
Thursday night, there's literally nowhere to go. I'm just going to stay in and work on my yeah, craft. Yeah, there's less Whereas, stimulation like, almost. Yeah, exactly. So I think that, yeah, it's not necessary. I mean, someone like me coming to Toronto has definitely helped, like, rev up my career. Right. But, again, that's just, like, one case. And okay. I know lots of artists in Calgary who, are like, are amazing. And a lot of people who have been making a living off their art there for many years That's right. don't need to change it. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think an, another kind of, uh, I guess, another huge argument that is made is like, oh, you know, uh, I mean, there was very recently this, this documentary that came out, uh, Northern, is it Northern Bars that was called? Oh, Northside. Northside. Yeah. Northern did you catch my one-two camera I did, in there? I did. Very key, very key. <laughs> um, but also that's just like that, that is like very much highlighting this like relevancy that Toronto now has mm. as like a as like a major city for not only like a sound but mm. but just like the artists that it now garners right yeah um, and you have to imagine you know being in a place like Calgary being in a place like Vancouver like I'm even just thinking about people in like Winnipeg right now who might see something like that and potentially even be discouraged be like mm. okay now we're we're even further down the docking list because now Toronto has this international recognition yeah at least for music. Um, whereas it's not it's not necessary, you know. Yeah. I think the the argument that I like the most is that yeah, you can just like be in your your cabin in the woods, you can call it, and be away from everything else, and then bring your art out. You know? Yeah. Um, and I think too, like not everybody wants you know like that type of like fame too, right. or like they don't want to. S- have success in that way exactly i think even in vancouver there's some like really interesting stuff happening right now in like the hip-hop scene like some amazing artists that i've been discovering who are like on that sort of alternative hip-hop tip like the earl sweatshirts or kid cuddies of the world like they're not trying to be travis scott yeah yeah yeah. and that's like dope yeah exactly kind of choosing to be in this like counter space yeah exactly yeah super super important Mm -hmm. so when you first started writing um where something you mentioned was the first couple times you got paid for writing yeah um this like super weird still i'm like how (laughs) how am i getting paid (laughs) and and i imagine there was a point in time where you and perhaps your peers at the time were also just like how is someone supposed to get paid for doing this i can only imagine how frustrating it was for this kind of grace period to even just like enter the realm of consciousness of these people yeah um what was that journey like for you And, and i guess more importantly what do you think are like 100% do's and don'ts for anyone in that space, anyone trying to just get mm. paid for their craft, particularly writing? Yeah, I think that um, the funny thing is, is like I never really thought that I could get paid for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah which is like a scary thing. There are 100% yeah. people who like who have their their own platforms, whether it's like a, you know, a WordPress or a yeah. Tumblr or whatever it is, and they're fantastic. Um, because you can do it without the pressure. Yeah. But simultaneously, there are people who are posting and it's just like, God damn, like... Is anyone seeing this? Yeah. Does anyone care? Yeah, exactly. I still think that way. Yeah. There's still times where I'm like, if I just didn't do everything I had to do this week, would anybody know this? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. If I didn't put a radio show out this week, would anyone care? Right. Um, yeah, it's weird. Like, I think that that's the part of it where you, like, have to love it in, and not expect anything from it. Yeah. Um, you know, I was working a full-time job in like a marketing job for a long time while doing writing and stuff on the side and, yeah. and not making any money from it, but just doing it because I enjoyed it. And at the time, I thought it was like really cool. I was like, oh, I get to meet these like DJs or like go to these shows for free. That's right. unreal, you know? Yeah. And taking that, that was still like a great thing. Um, when I did start 
figuring out that I could get paid for it, that's when I was like, it was like pretty fucking eye-opening. Right. I was like, whoa. And it wasn't even much money at the time. And like, to be honest, like being a freelance writer still isn't like, doesn't, it's not the way that I make most of my money now. Right. Um, but it's pretty like unreal that you yeah, can yeah, get yeah. paid to do something that you enjoy. Right. Um, but do, in terms of do's and don'ts, I mean, I think it's still, this is like a weird do, but mm-hmm. it's it's one that I've, I'm realizing is important. Like, I think it's, you should always do, st- like, at, while you, people say, oh, you need to know your worth and not like, you know, once you start getting paid for it, you need to like stick to it. Right. But I think it's still always important to do stuff and not get paid for it. Mm-hmm. If it's something that you really like love or yep. believe in or if you want to help someone out, you know, I think that's like good karma yeah certainly yeah positive so, energy being put into the world right? yeah so i think that it's kind of a balance of both like yeah know your worth but also like do anything that you think is going to be fun that's right if there's no budget then fuck there's no budget but it's yeah. going to be really fun <laughs> yeah yeah you have yeah. a great story out of it yeah i suppose at the end as well yeah and do you sure. think being in calgary was um was kind of beneficial to this idea of um not being or kind of going back to the argument that you're saying as well is like not being a as a kind of stimulating place or not necessarily being in a place that was like clouded with people trying to do the same thing mm. i think for me personally like i'm it it was like it was just always like that, that motivator to like get out and do more yeah. but another thing that's crazy about calgary is it's like it's such a little like comfort comfortable like bubble Right. Because it's just like, it's such an easy place to live, you know? It's like a smaller city. (laughs) Everybody knows everybody. If you like work your way up to like a certain level as a creative, you'll pretty much like, you know, you'll have like first dibs for all the DJ gigs or you'll always get this and that. And so that's how people kind of get like comfortable doing what they're doing. And they just stay doing that forever. And that's fine. Um, But for me, like I... Can, I, I can't stand to always do the same thing. Yep. So for me, it was like really good because it was really motivating to be like, I need like more than this. Yep. Um, so yeah, I I think that was good for me. And honestly, like now that I don't live there anymore, right. I love my time in Calgary yeah, yeah, yeah. now. Yeah. I go back there, I'm like, oh, I'm just like at home with my family and like yep. relaxing and like eating all my like favorite food spots. <laughs> and then like after seven days, I'm like, okay. It's time to dip. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm over it. And when was, the, when was the last time you went back? I was back in May for my brother's wedding. Oh, sweet. Yeah, which was, like, super fun because it was, like, a really, like, family-like trip and and Frieza came, too, and he he really likes Calgary and we had, like, a blast. Top three things to do in Calgary. Okay, eat steak for sure. Just anywhere? Uh, not anywhere. I mean, my favorite place for steak in Calgary is Caesars Steakhouse, which is, like, an iconic, amazing steakhouse okay. or vintage chop house right on the guy who does the artwork for the show is currently doing his masters in calgary oh, so sweet. i hope he's listening yeah he needs to know what's good what's his name his name is marcus marcus go to caesar's Perfect. so good um that i love how i said that was the top thing to do in calgary because now that i'm <laughs> thinking i'm like steak. yeah um go to the mountains right because that is like so close yep um, and the mountains are so beautiful so stunning like now that i'm not around them all the time i go back to calgary and i'm like Whoa, yeah, I took this for granted so much. Um, so those two things are awesome. And then the third thing to do, eat village ice cream. Because it's the best ice cream. Um, also from the same cows that you're getting steak from? Yeah, exactly. Okay. 
dope, right? Yeah, yeah. Full circle, full circle. Also, I'm not a vegan, yeah. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> Amen. Um, and go to like Hi-Fi Club, which is my favorite club in Calgary. Hi-Fi Club, okay. Yeah, it's one of the best, like awesomest little venues. Always Perfect. really dope DJs and cool bookings. Right. Run by my friends. So yeah. I want to <laughs> plug that Perfect. really quick. Support them real quick. Yeah, yeah. top three things. There you have so it. That was like four things, but whatever. Yeah. You can have like a good day out with what I just told you yeah. though. You could go to the mountains during the day, yep. go for steak, grab an ice cream after from Village, and then go dance Hit the club on it. There you go. Yeah. Boom. Day set for you, Marcus. Yeah. Anyone in Calgary right now, that's exactly what you need to do. Um, so what... <clears throat> What or how long is it now that you've been in Toronto? What year was it that you moved to I Toronto? I came here on May 5th, 2015 Ooh. is the day that I got here. Okay. Yeah. 2015. So it's been two and two and a half years. Okay. Right on. Mm -hmm. What was the, what was the, the catalyst? I know you, you briefly mentioned that you felt it was very important to kind of advance your career. Mm -hmm. Was there kind of like a, a, a catalyst moment where you were like, it needs to be done? I don't think there was really like an, a moment like that, but mm. I think those things kind of build over time. Certainly. And uh, my, you know, since like the end of 2013 until, you know, May 2013, so I guess like a period of like 18 months, yep. I went through like just this crazy personal transformation. Mm. So I used to be married. Wow. I, I split up with my ex. Um, we sold our house. I moved back home with my mom. I really just like threw myself into like working mm -hmm. on everything so i was like i had a full-time job at that time so right. i was like working really hard at that and then also working a lot on the side at all my other things just to like fill up my time of course that's like totally what i do when i'm going through like you know whatever a life change i just like will work so much because yeah. it's like my escape i guess sure. um and so yeah i'd gone through this crazy personal transformation and i was like I was kind of feeling like I wanted to like switch it up like a lot. And the more I kind of thought about it, the more I realized like, this is really like the perfect time. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm for the first time, like living back home with my family after being on my own for 12 years. Yeah. Like I didn't have a mortgage, didn't ha really have much rent to pay. So I was saving a bunch of money. And yeah, I just like, there was really, it, it felt like the time, you know, right. like it felt like something was telling me like, this is like the, it's like now or never. Yep. Um, so yeah, I quit my job and when I quit my job, I still wasn't even sure if and when I was going to move out here. Right. It was kind of just like on the, you know, in the back of my head. And then, so I worked, like I did like freelance for like two, three months. Yep. And then I was just like, I'm just going to do it. And so wow. I just like packed up my car and like moved out here. Man, that's super <laughs> hectic. Yeah. Yeah. So it was pretty cool though. It was like pretty, like looking back, I was like, wow, that was like really ballsy. And right, like, yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah, but I think I had just, and this isn't even meaning to sound like sad or anything, mm -hmm. but I think at that moment I was just like, man, I literally like my whole life is like, I just like lost everything in my life. Right. And so I have nothing to lose. Yeah. And there's something like really, like really empowering about that. Yeah. So yeah. And it was honestly probably the best decision I could have made. Man, you know, I was actually just having a conversation earlier today. I mean, this is, I'm, I'm going to tie it in, I promise. <laughs> so he was talking about playing in a, in a soccer tournament and losing every game and realizing that, you know, there is some inspiration to be found in loss. Um, and I think this is a prime case of it, you know? Yeah. Something that I was very, very keen to ask you is, um, and I think this transitions brilliantly, is that a lot of time... Um, there kind of comes a point in our lives. I think I can speak for myself personally. Now, 
finishing an undergrad and really having the time to kind of sit with my own thoughts is that um, so often based on what we were kind of expected to do mm-hmm. and kind of your standard societal trajectory, there's very little time that we take for ourselves to, to ask who we are as people um, and whether what we're currently doing is is genuinely like at the very core of ourselves genuinely something that we're excited to do yeah um because a lot of times we can fool ourselves to believe that and then oh, that happens so you know like, um and that's okay that you fool yourself but you know eventually there's going to come a point where you either you know have to accept it and and start to kind of unlearn and rebuild yeah um or accept your fate you know which is like just as scary as a, a reality i suppose yeah um it sounds like this was that kind of moment for you oh it totally was and you know what like i all those things i mentioned like i went really far down like that one life path that i thought i wanted or i don't even know if i wanted it or maybe i just convinced myself i wanted it or maybe it was my environment like calgary is a place like that where a lot of people follow that same trajectory you know they go to university and then they meet someone and then they buy a house together and then they get married and then they have a couple kids yeah. and then they just like work at their oil and gas job for the rest of their life yeah. and that works for a lot of people and I don't ever want to sound like I'm like knocking that life mm-hmm. but it's not for me yeah. but I think like I tried to like you know there was all these things I was doing like I was like I'm gonna go to university and like have this great boyfriend maybe we should like get married we should buy a house we should get a couple cats and like I was just like checking all these like boxes and yeah. being like alright this is cool like now what yeah. you know yeah, and yeah, yeah. I think that I really just realized like, man, this is not making me happy. Mm-hmm. And like how, you know, I can't keep like just adding things to my life and thinking they're gonna make me happy. Right. And also for my, you know, my ex too, like he, I think he kind of did it too. Like he was just kind of like, yeah, I'll do all these things. Going with and the flow. Yeah, and then, you know, that's really hard because like he and I still really cared about each other and it wasn't that we split up because we didn't like each other anymore. Like we were still like best friends, but we just knew that kind of like what we wanted out of life maybe wasn't right. wasn't lining up. And it's crazy because now I look at him and everything that he's done in the last like three years since yeah. he hasn't had that, those responsibilities and that anymore and he is like flourishing yeah. and I'm like so proud of him Rick I'm so proud of you if you ever hear this <laughs> him and I are like great friends now you know and that yeah. is like really awesome because I think we both knew that like it's exactly what you said like it just we had to be honest with yeah. ourselves so yeah and yeah. such a frightening thing I think for so many people my age or, or just just in the space you know trying to understand what it is that they want to do with their lives yeah. right yeah it's so hard and it, i think that like even for me like i'm i still have my days where i'm like what the fuck am i doing mm-hmm. but i think you just have to be like and that's where like being very like self-reflective is like really important yeah. i mean it's not always easy to like look at yourself and for all your like strengths and all your weaknesses and all the ways that you're good and all the ways you're bad but yeah. I think that there's huge value in it because it can put you in closer touch with what you really want. Yeah. Yeah. That's the most important. Yeah. Do you think, is there, is there anything that you do on a, on a regular, semi-regular basis to kind of help ground yourself like that? Hmm. I don't have any like rituals or like, I don't meditate. I probably should. (laughs) (laughs) Very awesome. You probably should. But I mean, I like to like. I do like to like go for walks yeah. and just like, you reflect. Know, yeah, just reflect and like 
either like turn my phone off or like leave it at home or yep. just like not touch it for like 20, even 20, 30 minutes. Yep. Um, you know, and just like listen to maybe like some like instrumental music or sure. something that's kind of chill and just like that for me is like a form of meditation. Right um, I usually do it when I'm like, if I've been at my computer working all day and I need like a bit of a break. Yep. That is something that's like a bit of a ritual, I guess. Sure. And I think it's just good to think about like, you know, Sometimes I'll even just like ask myself a few questions like, okay, what did I do this week yep. that got me closer to like that goal? Okay. Even something like that is like can spark a lot of like thought. For sure. You know what I mean? It also just kind of brings you back on track as to what yeah. you're doing and yeah, just reevaluates your, your current path, I suppose. Yeah. Right? I think like thinking about how like where you've come from too and where you want to go, right. like that. Some people don't really have that type of, they don't see life that way, but mm -hmm. I'm always thinking of it as like this journey like, right. and these like different points, you know? Right. I don't ever really think about like, oh, that's that one place I want to get to, but it's more like, okay, what what can I do like in between? What can you do in between? Yeah. Sure. And I think I used to get really hung up on like the future. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my God, in like five years, I need to be like doing this. I try not to ever think about that anymore. It's right. more just like, Am I like living like my life right. how I want to live it? Yeah, yeah. What can I do better at this current moment in yeah, time? Right? Exactly. And yeah. where do you where do you think or or how does failure kind of find itself in the mix? You know, mm -hmm. is is failure something that you've you've found a difficult thing to kind of cope from? Is it something that you've yeah. you've had to kind of bounce back from like very yeah. quickly, very slowly? How does that kind of fit in the mix of of where you kind of are in your, your journey, I suppose. I think failure is like, I I really don't even like look at it as like, oh, I like lost something. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's always just like an opportunity to learn. It sounds like so corny, but right. like, I really had to, you know, with my divorce, I had to convince myself of that early on because otherwise it was gonna drive myself crazy. Oh. Because that notion of like, oh, we failed at the, you know, right when it was all kind of falling apart, it really got to me and yeah. that was like what was really holding me like down yeah so i had to change my perspective there's that like saying that's like if you can't change it if you can't change something change like your perspective i, okay. I, I forget what it is exactly but i kind of realized early on like okay i can't like let this beat me down like i need to like change my view on it or it's literally gonna ruin me yeah. and so i just tried to take that experience as like and figure out everything I could learn from it yeah, yeah, yeah. and so that was like pretty that was definitely like pretty life-changing like okay. yeah. um and now ever since then like if I've ever had like adversity you know I've had I've been very very fortunate the last like few years that mm -hmm. I've been able to like accomplish a lot of things I wanted and had like very good like luck yeah and it's not all luck you know it's like a bit of preparation needs opportunity as well, well but I've definitely had things that have happened in the last couple years that were like not the greatest whether yeah. it's like falling out with friends or whatever but you really just have to like like life goes on yeah it's there's like another quote it's like i think it was like on a coffee cup or something <laughs> corny but <laughs> i was about to say where are you getting these yeah. quotes from you just go on quote of the day.com and just yeah i just like plug them in my yeah. brain no but it's like uh like life won't always go your way but it will always go on mm. And I just yeah. deep. I know. Just hitting us with that early morning coffee cup inspo. 
Hashtag inspo real quick. <laughs> um, but I, I love coffee. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I like, I love that quote too because it's so true. Like life doesn't pause for anybody. I mean, we all, we're allowed to have our days where we like feel sorry for ourselves or we wish we could just like, you know, everything would just stop for a That's minute, right. but it doesn't. Yeah. So. It's kind of sad reality where the only kind of, the only positive in it is being brave to kind of stand up to the day, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And where, so um, something that you very briefly mentioned was that, uh, you know, coming and listening to music is like a great way for you to, to kind of escape. Yeah. Um, where kind of along this, this journey that we're talking about mm-hmm. did DJing and spinning kind of like really come as come to you as something that you're going to pursue on like a more Make regular basis? Okay, yeah. so my ex was actually a DJ, is okay. a DJ. Okay. Um, amazing DJ. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Shut out Rick, shut out Rick. <laughs> yeah. Shout out him. So I've, I had like seen, you know, him DJ over the years. Never really had like super interest in learning it for myself, but like learned a lot about like the culture and um, I would just kind of like play around at home sometimes and yep. set up like once with Right. And then when we like split up and we were kind of like splitting up all our belongings, he was like, he had some extra like gear and right. he was like, you know, you should like have this because who knows maybe you might want to like learn to dj one day he's probably like not thinking anything of it yeah i was like yeah okay um and then again like at that time i was kind of just trying to like take on as much as i could and be like very distracted so i thought hey why not why not just try to like learn this it might be like a cool like hobby right um and not to mention like because we had been together for so many years like i did like feel like obviously an affinity to yeah. like that world and that like lifestyle being around it for so long yeah and so yeah he like gave me some gear and then i bought some some gear of my own and, right. and just kind of started learning at home but really didn't think anything of it yeah. um i had played out like a few times in calgary with like friends and stuff but was not pursuing it on any like deeper level yeah. and then when i moved to toronto um, I still wasn't thinking I was really going to like be pursuing that as my main thing, yeah. but I was like, okay, like I'm here now. I'm like working for myself. Maybe I can like DJ a bit and like make some money, make some you money, know, yeah. like hundred percent. Yeah. It's always good to have like a couple different hustles. So yep. I was like, let's try this out. And then honestly, it just like totally took on like a life of its own. Right on. Yeah. It was like crazy. Like I think the first I'd been here for two weeks and I had like my first gig. No way. Yeah. And then after that, I that first summer I was here, like the summer of 2015, I think I played like literally every weekend at least once. Wow. Which is like so insane. All at the, the same venue or is the venue changing? Uh, the venues were like changing. Like That's really Yeah, I, I like met just a few really good people early on. Um, Mike Rock, who is like an awesome DJ Legendary, and one yeah. of my like really good friends. He um, introduced me to Oliver, who's the owner, one of the owners of Cold Tea. Okay. And that became one of the places that I would play all the time. And then I met this guy, Carlos, who was, who owned Churchill at the time. Good. So I was like playing in a few different bars and then just like, just meeting people and yeah, yeah, spinning yeah. all over the place. For so sure. yeah, it was pretty awesome. And then that kind of, even after that summer, I was like, I was still kind of like pursuing some other things, but I started realizing like, okay, there's an opportunity here. And Certainly. I feel like sometimes when those things present themselves, you just have to kind of like roll with the punches. Roll with them. Yeah. And I it's sup- not yeah. always going to be that way, you know? Yeah, it's not going to be that way. And more importantly, I'm sure you were probably asking yourself on a constant basis, like, are you still content doing this? Yeah. Yes or no? If not, let's go with it or let's bounce kind of do Yeah. It, right? 
Yeah, and it's like I there was a moment though where I'd realized like, man, this has brought me so much joy and so much satisfaction. Yeah. And just boosted my confidence and right. allowed me to meet so many people like right. there was just so many positive things that were coming out of it yep. i was like why the fuck would i not do this would you know keep going with this? Yeah. and you're getting paid like yeah. all of these positive all things of the, exactly yeah. it's like literally everything good <laughs> and even now like i'm so thankful to djing and yep. everything it's done for me like it's allowed me to travel to go to like all these crazy places yep. to like meet my heroes it's like you know even my like relationship i have now like mm -hmm. we met through djing Amazing. so yeah so wow big up djing yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> this is this is like you've you've obviously done um whether it's like events you mentioned djing at like corporate events yeah um and also just like a night like tonight which mm -hmm. is like a benefit event um you've mm -hmm. also kind of dabbled in like opening like concerts or shows yeah. as well. How does, how do you kind of find yourself in that space? Is it the same thing of just kind of networking, meeting promoters, meeting people who are putting these shows yeah, together? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Okay. It's all just like, I've never really like pitched myself to anybody. Yeah. It's all just been like people reaching out or someone, someone that I've met putting in touch, me in touch with someone. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, that stuff is really crazy. It's yeah. super fun and it's like really that's like yeah. that Skepta show earlier this year right. was like hands down one of the most insane gigs I've ever done in my life. Right. Um, that was like, a great set by the way. I mean, a few friends are jiving up the back. <laughs> it was super fun. Yeah, it was like, you know, how many people were there? Like, like five thousand. Too many. How do you feel about people? Rebel as a space? Uh, Honest opinion. Okay, so I never knew it as Sound Academy because I wasn't here yet. Right. So I don't. I have any comparison, but. I was just there a few weeks ago for like the Spotify rap caviar show. Cool. And it was just like Likewise. so hectic. <laughs> I was like, what the hell is going on here? Honestly, I was outside and saw like three people get thrown out. Yeah, it was it was like really rowdy. It was it was intense. My yeah. sweater got like shredded. Like, yeah. I, yeah, I looked like you know Leo DiCaprio in like the Revenant after he yes. just like, shredded by the bear? That's yeah. pretty much me. <laughs> yeah. After just listening to Playboy Cardi. Like, yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. And like no, it, it was shouldn't happen. It was crazy that night. I think I'd prefer for like a concert venue, like you know, like Mod Club or something like that. Mod but Club. that's like way smaller. I think that's like, you know, the, the issue with Toronto is we don't really have any of those like mid-size like venues. What do you think about Danforth? Danforth Music Hall. Oh yeah, that Danforth's a good one, but why does the floor so slopey? The slope, okay, so it's <laughs> slopey because it used to be a theater. It hurts my knees. Yeah. <laughs> like that's such a granny yeah. thing to say, but like I've been, I forget what show it was. I think it was Jamie XX, oh, like nice. last year, a couple years ago. And I like the next day, like <laughs> I, my like kneecaps and shins were like sore. I was like, what the fuck? Hundred <laughs> percent due to the Yeah, they need to floor. fix that. Yeah. <laughs> See, the thing is, I guess the argument they make is like, oh, you know, no matter what height you are, is like you'll you'll be able to have this like vantage point. Uh, but like, if you still have a tall person in front of you, yeah, the, the still not the good. Argument is invalid. So fix the floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, damn for me. Or have like together. maybe they should just have like two like levels. Yeah. Like that would be. Yeah, you know, I think so. They had like the lower level and then like a higher level. Hire me. Put it in the suggestion Consulting. box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Rebel's pretty cool. It definitely looks fancy in there. And it's yeah. got a fucking sick ass sound system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sound system is really yeah. good. Yeah. Um, that was cool. Who uh, who are some of the least memorable shows that you've uh, you've opened for? Mm. I mean, I guess it's probably hard to remember if it's the least memorable. Yeah, but. I mean, they're all memorable in some <laughs> way. 
Okay, which okay, one? Okay, I have one. Go for it. So, a, a few weeks ago, I opened for um, a grime artist, Lethal Bizzle. Nice. At the Mod Club. It was actually a charity show, too. Those tickets were ridiculously cheap. How yeah. Lethal Bizzle wasn't able to charge more is it kind of beyond me. I know. Honestly, so this is why the show was not memorable. Okay. Is because it was really badly organized. And I'm not saying this against anybody because, like, I don't know whose fault this was. Right, right, right. But it was, like, kind of a shit show. Like, someone reached out to me over, like, on the phone one day. Like, someone called me and was, like, <laughs> telling me about this show. And they were, like, we want you to DJ. And I was, like, I think I was, like, driving or something. And I was, like, I was like, can you send me, like, some info to my email so I can, like, just take this in? And yeah, who like, is this? Yeah, I was, like, how did you get this number? Like, what's going on? Like, who called anyone anymore? But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, and then never got an email. And then the next thing I see was, like, a flyer with my name on it. Ooh. And I was, like, this is an interesting strategy for booking. Like, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, and then you can't really be, like, I felt really, like, cornered. Because I was, yeah. like, I can't really be, like, no, I'm not doing this. Because it's a charity thing. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, anyways, I got in touch with, like, one of the promoters. And I was, like... What, what's going on? Like, can you clarify? And also, like, if you're asking me to donate my time, like, how much time are you leaving for? Yep. And they were like, yeah, it's, we're asking you to donate time, so not paid. Right. Which is, like, fine. Like, again, I believe that you should do things not paid if it's for a good cause or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I was like, you should probably check with someone. <laughs> Just, like, get them to say yes yeah, first. Before Please. you, like, put their name on Dear something God. that you're not going yeah. to pay them for. Anyways, it was really weird, but... That was pretty forgettable. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough, man. And I didn't even stay for like Lethal's performance. Sorry. Yeah. Be. <laughs> but I, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just, I went and did a set and the set was fun and people, a couple people said that it was really dope and then I just Great. like cut. I yeah, like, you're like, all right, it. time <laughs> yeah. for bed. It was yeah. also like the middle of the week too. It was like a Wednesday. Yeah, it okay. was like a Wednesday. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the most like forgettable one I can think of. Wow. Most of the time, though, like opening for an artist is really cool. It's right. like really fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can kind of set the tone for yeah how the rest of the day is gonna go. Totally, and like, like even like I did the Playboy Cardi show, not the Rap Caviar one, but the one he did at the Phoenix back in August, okay. and that was also like really fun because it was all ages and you know like lots of excited young people because like younger people they don't get to go to clubs and like turn up so sure. like when they go to a playboy party show like that's their time to like turn up yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely so they came to party and it was really fun yeah wow yeah and do you do you feel like uh you can kind of emulate or, or curate sounds in the same way that you do in these live sets in your radio shows as well like how did that kind of come into fruition how long yeah. have you been with radar radio i've been with radar since december okay yeah so like not too long and then almost a year then yeah oh. almost a year Oh man, that's coming up. I gotta do something like one year sick for the one year yeah. show. Um, and then before that, when this station in Toronto called TRP was around, TRP, I had a, yeah, RIP, TRP. And that was really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I forget what the original question was. Oh yeah, you're talking about like the <laughs> difference between like a live show and a radio show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so for me, radio is like definitely time to be like a bit more just like kind of creative or maybe just like show a bit more of like the songs you're into and yeah, not yeah, have yeah. to worry about like how they're going to affect a crowd. Yep. Um, so I think that that's like a really cool thing with radio. With My shows on radar are a bit more like 
my show on TRP was like all over the place. It was okay. like literally I would play anything and everything yeah. and sometimes go through like many different genres in, in one show. Okay. My shows on Radar aren't really like that. They're, they are more like, you know, a lot of like rap, hip hop, UK rap yep. and like grime. Right. So they're a little bit more tight, but there's still stuff that I play on my radio shows that I would never really play out. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's cool. Like it's definitely like a different outlet and... Yep. Radio, we don't really have a lot of radio culture here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially for, like, DJs. Like, there's not really a lot of, like, mix show culture. That's right. The same way there is in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's cool seeing, like, even other homies, like, even, like, the New Wave guys, yeah, like, yeah. getting into, like, the mix show. That's right. Sort of, like, swing of things. Because it's, it's a really awesome outlet for DJs. Huge outlet. Yeah. And I think for those guys in general, uh, they're bringing in just, like, their comedic presence as well. Which yeah. Which is that much more engaging, I think. For sure. Um, yeah, hopefully, I mean, yeah, hopefully one way we can we can find a space or, or find a place yeah. where people start doing this more, right? I think it's going to happen for sure. Yeah. I think the, the interest is there and, you know, I think that podcasting and, and radio and online radio, like, the, we've only, like, scratched the surface. And, yeah. like, even if you go to, like, you know, I like, like use the UK as an example, but right. the radio culture over there, there's like four or five like really good huge, online stations. Huge, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's just online. So it's like, I feel like that, it's not to say that like, you know, it would take a long time for Toronto to get there, but mm-hmm. I feel like the appetite's slowly building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, uh, where do you think Toronto genuinely kind of stands in like, in the grander scheme of the world like the argument mm. that i that i always make <clears throat> about soccer sorry about toronto is that very similar to this like major european soccer tournament called the uefa champions league there are teams you basically have to be the best team in your respective country or yeah. best teams to make it for this like giant european one yeah. so every year they like let more teams from the more competitive leagues like england and spain and italy come in but then they'll let like one team from bulgaria mm-hmm. and like one team from like hungary make it in because they're like the best ones there but like they come to the tournament they get demolished by all the bigger teams yeah so it's like you're the best in your division yeah. in your country but then as soon as you compare you're put up against all these other major cities you're a twerp kind of deal yeah you know? so where are you thinking that toronto is the bulgarian yeah, soccer team yeah that's 100 percent like ludigrets or like feyer nude i don't know there's like a yeah there that's 100 percent where i feel like, are we the bulgarian <laughs> soccer team <laughs> yeah. i mean like our soccer yeah. team in comparison <laughs> to european soccer teams 100 percent the same yeah arguments can be made but i mean do you think that's a do you think it's fair for me to say do you think i'm underestimating the city um i feel like there are actually a lot of talented people mm-hmm. here um I'm, I'm just thinking about the other like major like you know cities in the world yeah. that are seen as like musical hubs mm-hmm. i think toronto can hang yeah. but i think that there's there is a long way to go also and it's like a hot topic of conversation in the music community you know like we don't have we have a venue problem we have like resourcing issues we have yep. like this and that um you know we have no record label culture here yep. like we have you know like it's just i always compare to london because i guess that's okay. the most like the scene that i'm most familiar with right. all those things that i just named they have there right. and that sort of like adds to what's going on there but i think in terms of like raw talent like the the talent is here for sure and it's just a matter of 
getting more organized. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. Like having some things to support that talent. Of course. But like, I don't know what the answer to that is. Like, yeah. is that just like, we need more money? Like, getting I think that, the yeah. venue thing is like definitely a huge fucking challenge. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's something that like, even coming from a city like Calgary, doesn't have a lot of venues, but the ones it does have are so great. Like the ones I mentioned, like Hi-Fi Club, Commonwealth is another one. Those venues are really like not only bringing in acts from out of the city yep. to like expose them to the people there, but they're really helping foster the talent that is there right. by like giving them DJ nights, giving them like a proper budget to like bring in guest DJs, right, right, right. or even like giving them a, money to like bring in someone they think would be dope from outside of the city. Like things like that are like so important in like building and that just doesn't exist here yeah. it's just like, people being like yes yeah come in let's make this happen kind of deal yeah right? so i don't know what it is it's gonna take a lot of things yeah I, yeah i don't know about you but i also i mean i'm also being a negative nancy here mm. mainly because it's just like i i want it i feel like i'm like a just like a real stern parent here you yeah, know? yeah. Like, i want to see you flourish yeah so i'm just gonna keep putting you down yeah you know? yeah that's 100 percent how i it's feel very about immigrant to me. Yeah. i like it yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> Uh, That's my, my dad's parents. strategy. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's like, hey, you know, we're 95, where's that extra 5%? Obviously, it's like super harsh and like I really don't ever want to be that way to my children if I ever had to. Have to. This is a digression. Super digression. Um, <clears throat> what I was going to say was, um, one, I think it definitely comes down to resources. Two, I don't know whether i really believe in the whole screw face capital you know that's like mm. a, that's like a very relevant thing that people kind of talk about but um i'd like to think that slowly and surely people are going to be a lot more welcoming or a lot more excited about someone new kind of coming into the scene i mean mm. like let's put you in let's like throw you into the deep end and see how it goes if yeah. not we'll give you some flippers and go from there kind of yeah thing, yeah right? <laughs> um you you also mentioned being quite familiar with the uh, like the uk scene or the london scene yeah. how did that kind of come about have you spent time over there um I haven't spent a significant amount of time there. I mm -hmm. mean, I was born in England, right. and so my a lot of my family still lives over okay, there. Cool. So my older brother lives there now. Um, I went there a lot, like, as a kid, like, living in Hong Kong. We would go to England, like, every summer. Okay, wow. And I've been there, like, you know, a bunch over the last, like, five, six years. I was just there last year. Mm -hmm. But I think that I always just was into British music, and then... Um, when I started DJing, just that was kind of like a new way to appreciate it. Yep. And yeah, I don't really know what, if there was any like sort of like moment where I was like, yeah, I want to be part of this. But I think just like obviously having a show based in the UK too, yep. you have that different connection. But I think for me personally, maybe what always like drew me to like UK music is the fact that I was like I have like that British heritage, mm -hmm. but I never had the chance to like live there and grow up there. Right. To experience so, it in exactly. Any kind of so form. in a way, that's kind of like a way for me to like participate in that and to associate. Yeah. Okay. Wicked. And like but you it's, said, so the scene over there is also super interesting, and like yeah. I think that you know even people over here are now they're showing more interest in it's it. It's creeping because uh, it's yeah. like it's really fucking dope. Like yeah. the history. Um, you know, even not even, just outside of urban music, but even with like rock and like punk music and mm. all that stuff. Like, if you, it's it's pretty amazing everything that's come out of that like little island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. literally think about it. And yeah. The, yeah, their influences. Like people, people are always joking about uh, 
just like UK like slang or like slang yeah. that kind of comes out of London. But there's like there's so many parallels to what you hear people people are saying in Toronto as well. Yeah, you know, it's just like yeah, it's it's one. It's super funny to see, but also it's like it makes a little bit of sense as to why people are interested in that. Yeah, yeah. interested to hear. It's all the, like it's the immigrant culture, yep. you know, like there's you go to london and you see tons of caribbean people mm-hmm. lots of indian people and it's like the same as here yeah. so oh, i think that's where that like affinity comes from certainly yeah certainly couple last questions for you yeah one thing i really wanted to ask you um because this is something i've kind of been battling with or, or something that i sat with um i i don't think i've ever found myself with a a kind of like mentor in in my life um and whether that's like intentional or unintentional or maybe i've just neglected to view someone as such yeah uh, perhaps the kind of formality of having someone perhaps older uh perhaps more experienced um within a space that i would also like to kind of fill yeah um and that's something that i find myself debating quite often is like is it something that I need? Is it something that I can get on without? Mm-hmm. Is it something that I would benefit from? Um, and I'd like to ask you those same two questions. You know, have you ever found yourself with a mentor? And if yes or if no, what has that kind of been like for you? Um, I don't have a mentor. Yeah. And I think that like the thing is that's been hard for me is like, I would love to find someone who's like, not even necessarily like, older because I don't think that age has anything to do with life experience but someone who has a lot more life experience in the areas that I you know am interested in Mm -hmm. and I was like thinking about that the other day I was like why is it so hard for me to like find people to like vibe with on this stuff and then I'm like oh I know why it's because like this shit didn't exist 10 years ago (laughs) like straight up that's a very good point like you know there's I think that like my age group like the 30 to 40 like age group is mm. we're pretty much like the first people who are like doing this shit um but i think that for me i've it's something that i wish i thought about like more even earlier on in my career like i'm still like new in my career yeah, yeah, yeah. but i definitely wish i did have that kind of like one key person that i could turn to yeah. who you know i could just like shoot the shit with them about everything that's going on in my life about like what moves to take like from a business perspective but with that being said i think that like i don't think that i'm like hurting because of it you Mm -hmm. know like i think i have so many amazing friends all over the world in many different industries who all have like an amazing perspective for sure and i think that you don't necessarily have to be doing exactly the same thing as someone in order to be able to like learn from their experiences there's like those common threads throughout like all different you know creative outlets or industries that we can all like learn from um so i do try to talk to people every chance i get though and just you know just to to learn Yeah, yeah 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 and i think that it it helps that's one amazing thing about being in toronto um is that there's so many people here who are trying to to pursue creative things that's right yeah and so yeah like uh, almost all my friends like i would say like i only know like i would say out of like every 10 friends i have probably only like two of them have like quote unquote regular jobs right the rest of them are like either have their own business are like consultants or entrepreneurs or like artists so yeah so it's pretty like inspiring much to be around for sure yeah i think that it is important though to like 
to involve people, like a trusted group of people in your journey. Right, right. It's less so of, of looking up to or, or looking after what one person's experience has kind of provided or, yeah. or is providing you and kind of looking around yeah. and being inspired in that sense. And lots of people contact me, like, to ask me for, like, advice. Like, I get emails all the time, especially from, like, young girls, which I, like, love, you know? Yeah. Like, I always try to talk to all of them as much as I can. For sure. And just try to give them any, like, perspective. Yeah. Because um, I, you know, never really had that. Right. Yeah. Where can someone hit you up if they want to get in touch? Um. Oh, man. I don't even know if I should be giving out my email because it's <laughs> such a crime scene yeah. that I'm always trying to clear yeah, up. Yeah, I, I, I have an awful feeling you have you have a lot of people being like, yo, okay, keep this crush. track. Yeah, literally, crush my email. It's like fucked up, man. Like, it's like... Well, I get about like 20 or 30 submissions a day, like okay. just submitting music. Right. Um, and these are people who would like to have you feature their music in on your radio show or like just any time, any place? Yeah, like I would say um, the majority of them are trying to get me to like write about their music for gotcha. like one of the sites that I contribute to. Gotcha. Um, so it's like complex hype beats from mm-hmm. those. So yeah, 20 to 30 of those per day. Wow. And then in between that, I actually probably get probably like you know, three to five, like, actually really important emails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's probably, like, another, like, ten, like, discount coupons for, like, whatever, Starbucks or whatever <laughs> I have in there. And so between all that, it's just, like, a constant, like, battle of, like, yeah. trying to do everything. So, but email me. With that yeah. being said, email me. Um, I do check, like, all my emails. I just don't, I don't sometimes get back to everybody, especially yeah. the submissions ones. Like, right. I can't write all of those people back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then sometimes people, too, will be, like, oh, can you at least give me, like, feedback? I'm like, no, I really can't because if I give 20 to 30 people a day feedback on their music, like, that's going to take up, like, that's right. a fucking huge chunk of my day. If you were to do it honestly, right? Yeah, and some sometimes every now and then I will do, like, a thing. Like, I'll go on Twitter and be like, okay, for the next hour, I'm going to, like, you know, try Just to give feedback on music. Yeah. Let's, And then I get, you know, I'll do it for that hour and mm-hmm. then that's all the time I have. But... I just have to be like really careful with how I'm spending my for sure, time. For sure, for <laughs> sure. Um, but yeah, if people would like to email me, it's contact at jmkm.com. Okay, perfect. Or they can hit me up on social media. It's Would all you? jmkm across the board. Um, I especially just like love talking to like young creatives though and like like young women especially mm-hmm. um, about their journey. So yeah, yeah, yeah feel yeah. free to hit me up. Wicked. Link me fam. Link Is up, dog. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's. I think. Is that good? Is I that, think that's that what, what the, the kids. kids say? I think so. I think so. I'm still uh, unfamiliar myself. <laughs> you know, obviously. Um, last question for you: Top three guilty pleasure artists of the past week. Oh, the past week. Who are you listening to that you don't feel like sharing with anyone else? Okay. Um, I was listening to Lord. I don't know if that's a guilty because she's like pretty dope. Okay. But Lord, I was listening to the other day. Um, I was listening to. Britney Spears. Ooh. I really was because I remembered the song she did, Boys. Yeah. <laughs> with like, uh, it was like a Neptune's beat. Yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. really dope. So that was what inspired me to go like listen to a bunch of Britney. And wow. yeah. Oh, and Celine Dion. Okay, nice. Canadian classic, okay? She's a national treasure. Yeah, she's na- <laughs> now, yeah, national treasure. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Celine Dion. Okay, my, my top three right now. Okay, 100% my just like guilty pleasure, like 365 days a year, 
somehow Bruno Mars just like mm. finds his way in the mix. You know what? It's awful. As a DJ, like Bruno Mars always gets the party popping. <laughs> like, and the crazy mind. thing is, is like no matter what party you're at, like wow. you can be at a wedding and then play like Marry You or something. Yeah. It's the fucking hit of the night. Fair. You know, at a lot of like the like corporate events I do with like older ladies, they're really like the like 24K magic like nice. kind of vibes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awful. And then he has a song with Gucci Mane. Like that, yeah. that's what I like. That's so right. you can play that at like a turnip spot. Yeah, there you go. Bruno Mars is for the people. Okay, so he's not a guilty pleasure. F <laughs> anyone who has Nivek, I know you're listening. Slow me. Let me listen to Bruno real quick, okay? <laughs> Yeah, he's probably the only one this week. I think everything else yeah. has been. You know what I like to do sometimes? I like to go on my Spotify. Let's like Great. Let's do, let's right do now. that real, real and quick. And we'll just like see what I like had searched. Yeah. It's so funny. Okay. So I don't use Spotify like you should because you should technically like, you know, listen to songs you like and right. then it just sort of trains the algorithm. Yep. But I just listen to like random songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So That's the, totally fair. the last songs I searched were Half on a Baby, oh. which is a Vibes Cartel song. Okay. Brandy, Never Say Never. Ooh, big Brandy yeah. tune. That's huge. Big, big tune. Um, <laughs> House of Bloons. Okay. Okay. One Call Away, Chingy. Nice. <laughs> and <laughs> Princess Nokia. Okay, that's a pretty good one, yeah. too. And Cadence Weapon. Oh, my God. Oh, Cadence, Cadence Weapon. Weapon. Yeah. Awesome. He's uh, He actually really helped me at Way Home Festival. No I way. need to take a few minutes to shout him Dude. and Koei out. Because we waited all day in the Frank Ocean merch line. Ooh. We waited so long that I had to leave the merch line to go play my set wow. in the Perrier Greenhouse. Yeah, yeah. And I was so disappointed because I was like, I literally just waited here for six hours and I can't buy the shirt. And Cadence Weapon and his girlfriend got me a shirt. Wow. Boys Don't Cry shirt? Yeah. One of those ones? It's still that in the package. Is, that's brilliant, yeah. And Holy moly. Fucking shout out Roly yeah. and Koei for that one. <laughs> that's brilliant. Wow. And then Trinidad James is the last wow. one. Wow. Do you think, do you believe Trinidad James is a one-hit wonder? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like trying to think of what other songs he had besides like All Gold Everything. Yeah, and I'm like, right. there was nothing. That was was there? Uh, there's probably an album. I bet you there's two albums out that no one listened to, but yeah. that's okay. That one song was... Yeah. <laughs> did you did you also get to play alongside Princess Nokia when she came to yes, Toronto? Yes, I did. Nice. Yeah, so um, that was really interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, big up Andrew and Side Stage for that look. He's super dope. Um, Princess Nokia, she actually doesn't travel with a DJ. No so way. in each city she goes to, they just they have to like hire a DJ to like play wow, a show. Wow, that is quite Yeah, unique. and she, I believe she'll only have like a female or femme identifying DJ. That's cool. That's mad dope. Yeah, so um, that show was supposed to be like, I think the month before, like in July, and then it ended up getting postponed. Um, so her management team had sent me like the songs and they're like, yeah, when you meet, her name's Destiny. Okay. Like when you meet Destiny, she'll meet with you like an hour before the show and she'll let you know how the songs are going to go. And I was like, all right, but her plane was late. Oh dear. So we, we actually ended up meeting like no lie, like five minutes before we were supposed to go on stage. Wow. And so she told me like the order of the songs and she was like, yeah, you know, like I might adjust it a little bit, like as we go. She's like, but I'll just like I'll let you know, yeah, I'll yeah, signal yeah. you or whatever. So she did two shows that day. The first show, she ended up changing the set list. Like she changed like three of the songs. Oh wow! And so as the DJ, you like look like the dumbass yeah. when you play like the what people think is the wrong song. Right, right, right. But she had actually like tried to like signal to me and didn't get 
Right. I was like, fuck. Um, so yeah, that was really funny. But the second show nailed it. Nice. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Did you hear about her, uh, or did you see that video of her uh, throwing hot soup? Oh, she, yeah, she sunned someone. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, like, actually, I actually sunned him, just dunked him with a yeah. cup of hot I soup. I respect that, though. Good she's a very, you. like, powerful person. And mm-hmm. her, like, even in her presence, she's, like, very, you can tell, she's, like, yeah. She knows herself. She knows herself. <laughs> <laughs> Lesson of today, guys. <laughs> know yourself, eh? Um, thank you so much for joining us. Thank uh, you. Joining me. Unfortunately, the last little bit of this podcast got cut off due to some difficulties, so I'll do my best to wrap it up here. If you want to keep up with Josephine's work, make sure to follow her on her social media at JMKM. Definitely check out her website as well, jmkm.com. And make sure to check out her radio show over at Radar Radio. We'll make all this stuff in the description below. Thank you so much for listening to episode 30 of High Top Flip Flops. We'll catch you guys soon.